You're listening to The Only Constant, where we explore how minor change brings lasting hope. On this episode of the podcast, we spoke with Sam Perez. Sam earned his degree in political science from Florida State University, and much of our conversation revolved around the current issues in the United States, such as healthcare, supply chains, and economic equality. Sam believes that most of our American institutions need to change to better serve all members of our society. In theory, that might even mean tearing down our institutions and building new ones from the ground up. Please keep in mind that today's conversation by no means proves or disproves anything about the United States government. In fact, Sam, myself, and Caleb make that clear throughout the episode. We're simply talking through today's issues to the best of our ability and attempting to understand their complexities together. Sam is hopeful that his future in government work will help those who may have trouble receiving aid from the current government, such as immigrants that can't yet speak English and many more. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening. And in the studio today, we have some terrible bush beer that's basically water. Um, 4.3%. And more importantly, Sam Perez. Or Samuel, whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever you want to call me. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> do I speak into the mic? Do I not speak? You in? can just kind of, you know, sit up straight. No, no sweat. I feel, I feel like I'm in a job interview right now, honestly. Well, you are. So who... <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your name for real though? What's your name, preferred pronouns, and um, we can, yeah, name. Uh, okay, uh, my name is Samuel Perez. Call me Sam. Uh, he, him. You know, I'm just, I'm just out here. I'm just, you know, trying to survive. Um, and just as a note, uh, because from a couple of years from now, there's definitely going to be a private investigator watching this podcast. And uh, it's very nice to meet you, and I hope that you pass me on the job opportunity. Thank you. Okay. Private well, investigator. Yeah. Um, uh, it's actually what I want to do in life is become a foreign service officer. And uh, part of the process, it's a, about a six to eight month process, uh, is that they hire a private investigator to go through everything that you do. What? Oh, okay. I thought you were like making a bit that you were going to do something. That no, a private no, no, no. investigator it, would have to. It, 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 you <laughs> no, you guys are legit. definitely not accomplices to any crimes <laughs> I commit. Okay. Uh, here's my manifesto, but we're just going to leave it on the table. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it's an actual thing that they do. They like to hire. They they hire a private investigator. The government finds out everything about me, and then they're like, eh, maybe he'll get the job. You know? Okay. So, so, go ahead, Caleb. Well, we mentioned it before we started recording, but your major in college was political science. Yes, yes, it was. I uh, whenever people used to ask me that, I used to tell them, uh, yeah, I'm a political science major, but don't talk to me about politics. I will not talk to you about it. Okay. Uh, and I I thought it was more edgy and just my humor, but at the same time, it's like. Politics is just so, like, anyone could get a wrong opinion and a right opinion of politics. Mm. And, like, I feel like I'm always of the wrong opinion regardless, even though I'm right. So it's like I'd rather just not <laughs> fight like, people on it. You feel like you're wrong or people tell you that you're wrong? People tell me that I'm right and wrong. And I'm uh, just like, I don't, it, it's also like you got to bring in citations. You got to bring in, like, where are your sources at? And that's what I hate about politics. It's like, where are your sources? And I'm like, ah, oh, Reddit. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I'm sorry, you know. Right. <laughs> Dang. But so did political science lead into wanting to be a private investigator? No, no. I'm being investigated by a private investigator. I want to be a foreign service officer. Oh, so okay. Not, yeah. So that's like, that's on the same terms of being like uh, an ambassador, you know, going off to different countries, like being a consultant for different, you know, I just want to work. I love international politics. I, I actually, you know, uh, this is a joke. I despise American politics <laughs> very heavily. But I love international politics. I think it's just what I want to get into in life is just, like, be out there in the world. I don't want to be cooped up in just one nation. I want to 
envelop it all. You, you know? want to have a global perspective. Yeah. And I just think that the current state of the world needs that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm not trying to say I'm going to fix the world. I'd actually rather, like, destroy certain institutions and, like, you know, build them back up again. Hmm. You know, so it's like, you know how you hear people be like, oh, I'm going to change. Like, I want to be lawyers so I can help people. No, I just want to burn it down and then we can bring it back up again, you know. I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. So, hmm. so here, before we unpack everything you just said, <laughs> yeah. do it one by one because I think that's actually a really interesting perspective. And I didn't know that about you, even though we've known each other for a long time. Uh, three four years now? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that that's what you wanted well, to do. We hadn't, we hadn't <laughs> talked about that before. I didn't know you were, did political science, actually. I was yeah. thinking about it today. It's like, what is, oh, Sam? What is Sam? He just funny. hangs around at improv a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's he um, funny. I don't know. Does he have any personality? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you want to, first of all, let's start with, you want to have a global perspective. Why do you think the world needs that? Well, let's take a, let's talk about it from like America's perspective. Let's talk about, cause you know, America's like a hot, it's a, it's a pot. It's a melting pot of diversity of different cultures, of different ideas. But the one thing I believe in is that there's a lack of real representation of those cultures in our, in our government, in our society, really. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'm of the belief that the only way that you can get those type of cultures to unite underneath the one flag of you know America to be nationalist is that they have that type of representation. Because, look, I'm a Cuban, and the main person, do you know, do you know who my main representation is? in Fidel know? Castro. No, it's Mark Cuban. In America. In America, like the yeah. The representation yeah. of a Cuban uh, uh, yeah, in America. Of, of, a, of a Cuban in America is Mark is Cuban. Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because it's in his name. It's, you know, he, he's he's there with the people. He knows what's going on. He's a, not a horrible guy. He's not the best, but you can't really say that. By about the way, the only reason I said Fidel Castro is because... When a lot of people hear Cuba, I would imagine a lot of people think of Fidel Castro. Well, he, but you're saying representation in, in the America, government. In, a, in, in the government. In the government of America, okay. yeah. Okay. Because it is hard for, like, because it's like you have very limited representation for Muslims, or I, I can't even name a Jewish uh, senator or, you know, House representative. I'm sure there are some, but all there's you can There's a lot. Th- there's, oh, is there a lot? You know but what? You, but, yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying. Okay, but it, it's not something, it's not something that you think about entirely. And it, I agree with you. I, as a minority, I feel like that's like one of the big things I've put research into is that it's like where does that representation come from? Where does that sense of nationalism come from for different cultures? And it's in the government. And I think that there's right now there's kind of a, a lack of it, especially with the whole like trickle down racism that the Trump era brought in. You know, with how there's a lot of more radical Republicans or just kind of sometimes in the left too, a lot more radical representation. I think that just kind of pushed away from what it means to be an American and what it means to actually have a, a sense of nationalist pride. So to you, I know you've kind of said it a little bit, but what is the what is the I like what is it to be American? I think I think what it means to be American is like it's it's just that sense of pride. It's like, I'm an American. Like, because right now, I don't feel, I'm an American, but I don't feel pride in America. I feel like our government has let us down. And I'm not talking from a uh, Biden administration, from a Trump administration. I'm just talking about our government. I think that there are a lot of institutions that work against the people, a lot of extractive institutions that just keep the common person down. And I think that the, the elite, you know, and it's not like a, com- it's not like a theory. There is just a, a mass wealth of elite uh, elitism in America that just kind of, keeps the bottom rung lower 
and all that. And on top of just inflation yeah. rising, housing market rising, you know, gas, well, crazy, huh? Four dollars. Wasn't it eighty percent of America's wealth is in the baby boomer generation? Uh, I, Something like that. I, I, I think the statistic is ninety nine percent of America's wealth is owned by the top one percent. Uh, you know. Oh, some, for yeah, yeah for some, sure. Yeah, some weird, some weird statistics, but I just think that I, I there definitely needs to be a, a fundamentalist change. And how also we treat the wealthy, and I'm not eat the rich, but I'm more like hey, distribute the wealth of the rich, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that in itself is a, a, a big like hurdle <clears throat> to what it means to become American, because the American dream is like the American dream by definition is something where you will earn more than your previous generations. You are the belief that you earn more than what your parents do, and that you have more economic opportunities. Mm-hmm. Right now, I am not of that belief because it feels like you know people are applying for jobs. There there seems to be a, a job crisis. But, you know, jobs aren't just either jobs aren't paying or jobs aren't hiring, you know, Mm. and I feel like that's also a big hurdle of like what it is to be an American is like thinking you have the opportunities to move up in the world economically and become rich. And right now, all the all the wealth is being held by the hands of like Jeff Bezos, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And not only would it be opportunities, you know, it's also like standard of living because I know exactly what you're saying. And that's why we have now it's common to say it's like, well, you're privileged. Yeah. And it is, because that is kind of a fact, because we are, objectively speaking, privileged uh, based on a linear progression of, like, how we were 100 years ago Mm -hmm. and how the generations since then have made it a point to make it better for every generation coming. Yeah. So now we're here, and we have a great standard of living, and technically speaking, we should have more opportunities than they did, right? Yeah, we technically should. And it it feels, I'm not going to deny the fact that we are still one of the best economic like locations in the world like we we don't stand in chance to like any destabilized nation like i'm grateful for what i have now as an american mm-hmm. but i do think that our, where we are currently heading we're just becoming worse and worse okay mm-hmm. I, yeah I, I think that um yeah to go to your point i agree with you that like you know america is still a great one of the best places to live on the planet. Oh, for sure. I think that it's possible to say that and then, yeah, shouldn't America want to get better? And it feels like we're starting to hit this this point in time, which is like there's hyper-capitalism. I'm a, I'm a proponent of capitalism. I don't think capitalism is inherently evil, as everybody seems to think it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a caveat with everybody. there's a caveat yeah. with that <laughs> in this, but, and that's not to say that there that the issues that exist in our society right now aren't happening. They are, and I think a big reason for that is because we have 300 million people of different backgrounds yeah. and different social classes. Early on in the United States history, capitalism was awesome because it was like there's like okay, there's a couple thousand of us here in 13 states. Uh, let's just trade and and, uh, <laughs> and barter. You and know, barter. Yeah. You know. I, I have these uh, raccoon skins. Do you want them? Yeah. I, uh, I'll buy, I'll use your bear skin rug right. for that. Yeah. And um, I'm just. I guess what I'm saying is like I think there's too many products. So anyway, with that being said, do you? Well, here's 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 my argument, and this is why fundamentally capitalism is scared of technological advances and innovation. Okay. Back in you know the the industrial revolution. You know, back in Britain, started off a huge boom, okay? Mm-hmm. But elites before the Industrial Revolution were trying to tie down everything. They want to control of everything, patents on everything. We control the information. We control what's going out to the public, 
right? And because that's how the elites keep the power. That's how people who are, you know, those uh, entrepreneurial uh, giants in capitalism keep their wealth, yeah. right? Because no one in the market is challenging their ideas. No one is introducing new ideas to that would effectively lower the value of whatever those giants have. And I think capitalism is just scared of innovation. And what's worse is that we do have innovation, but now all the giants control it again. Okay. Because you have like you have you have Jeff Bezos, you have uh, Virgin Industries, you have uh, Elon Musk. They're having a big space race. Why do the billionaires of the world need to have a space race? Just leave it to NASA. You know, I don't need Jeff Bezos to launch. Um, who's the guy who did Kirk? Uh, he launched William Shatner. William Shatner in the space. Wow, great, <laughs> great moment in history. Love that. But I don't need that. I need Jeff Bezos to uh, support infrastructure. I need Jeff. I need Elon Musk to <laughs> no, pay his I taxes. Agree. I, agree. I don't need Elon Musk's like stock interest to rise because he says, "Here's a cyber truck," and then breaks the window and his stock his stock still fucking rise. Okay. I don't need that. I need young entrepreneurs. I need new ideas to be brought out. And right now, those people who do that, who try their best, are like just thrown in, not thrown in jail, but you get that, the metaphors. Mm-hmm. Like they're just stopped before they could ever get out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're bought mm-hmm. out by these giants, or their ideas are just run over. Yes. That's why Apple has like a bunch of patents and things that they'll never make because they control the idea. No one else can do it. Mm. And they their wealth is built on that itself. So going to Ted's point before, when you were talking about America and when we first started things out, um, and <clears throat> at least talking about the Revolutionary War very briefly, all the taxes, because you, you mentioned Britain again with yeah. the Industrial Revolution, but all the taxes America was facing before the start of the Re- American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier about distributing the wealth, do you think that taxes can be a good way to do that? I, I agree. I you know, as most Republicans would believe that taxes are, you know, bad. Uh, but uh, it, what was it? I believe it was Trump who, during his administration, raised, created a bill and passed a legislative bill, a legislative bill, sorry, that raised the tax of of people who make seventy thousand dollars or below, okay, while billionaires get tax cuts. Hmm. So I wonder who's really fighting for Republicans in the long run. <laughs> Uh, but I do think taxes are the best way for the government to give back to us and to give us the things that we need. Although sometimes taxes can just be hard. That doesn't make it doesn't. It seems like wouldn't they make more money by taxing people with the most money? You 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 would think so, and that's I think that's the lie that Republicans believe in, and not to like continuously, you know crap on Republicans because I think liberals are just as bad, you know. Uh, but I do think that Republicans are under the belief that I'm just, I'll be rich eventually, but not right now. So I got to be in my best interests to go against anything that will endorse the poor because then it hits the rich. And I'm just not rich right now, but in the future, watch, mm. I'll be just like Jeff Bezos. That's how every Republican thinks. That's how every entrepreneur thinks. That's how investors think. That's how investors think, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that like thinking that way right now, when you are currently poor and not have reached the wealth that you wanted, you should probably go for the laws and the rules and the bills that help your class. And I feel like a lot of the things that Republicans do is vote against that. And I think uh, the Democrats or liberals don't really go for it either because they're too scared. So it's like a big cycle of like, no one's doing anything. We know what the issue is, but no one's going to do it. So, and, and that's why I think that 
fundamentally, I'd rather destroy the institutions that we have to build them back up to be more inclusive, to endorse innovation, to endorse technological advances, to endorse economic mobility on the com- in the Commonwealth and in the people. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I, I, all right. I do want and to that, say I, I just slammed. No, no, no. Yeah, I do want to say a bit okay. much. Yeah, that was a bit I, much. I'll give you that. No, yeah. no, no. It's okay. No. Ted, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, Ted's thinking right. He's, I'm just he's thinking like, about. I didn't have any problem with what you said. I'm, I'm just like. I think it makes sense what you're saying. It makes yeah. sense what you're saying. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. I, I think that with all of these passionate conversations, it's very easy to generalize. A, a, a group of people. A group of people, and I'll, I'll so, give you that. So, I definitely generalize Republicans. Right, I, and, and you're aware that you that you yes, and so what I'm saying is I'm not disagreeing. There are plenty of Republicans who are maybe looking at at the world that way in a selfish manner. And as you said, there's a lot of liberals. I think whether they mean to or not, who are also looking at the world in a selfish manner. Um, not everybody. Um, it's like. I think the reason rich people are – I have no proof of anything. But uh, I've listened – I'll bring him up again. Andrew Yang. I love Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. I've talked about him before. You know, I and don't know then, how many people uh, know him. He had that great anime uh, opening <laughs> of uh, – what was it? Naruto or Attack on Titan? Did he? I think so. Yeah, for his presidency, yeah, he released oh, a video. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> cool. he's uh, <laughs> been talking a lot about um, open, open – um, primaries and uh, he kind of is speaking on a lot of the things that i think you're sort of talking about which is he's not saying destroy the institutions necessarily but what he is saying is yeah we need to like reassemble the american institutions because Mm -hmm. they're not working and and Mm -hmm. yeah you know who they are working for they're working for politicians they're working for them um, and he has direct experience with that. He. It's funny because it's working for the economic minority. Right. Well, like, that's yeah. that's what I'm. You know what, yeah, you know no, what I'm no, saying? I know. I understand. Yeah. There's so uh, studying up for the becoming a foreign service officer. There's a test, um, and there's a there's a book that's greatly recommended called Why Nations Fail by uh, Asimoglu and some other people that I I've read and I agree with many of the ideas. It's called Why Nations Fail, and it's a bit of an ironic book to read. Because it's like, wow, like I understand why these poor nations are failing, why they're so destabilized. I understand why wealthy nations are only getting richer. And then it's like, but wait, those wealthy nations are just as bad with those same extractive institutions, those same institutions that hurt the people as the poor countries do. And it's mm-hmm. it's a bit of ironic to be like it's a bit irony to be like wow I love America, but also I see everything that's wrong with America, and then they're also like telling you to read the book too. So mm-hmm. it's like this, and of course you kind of have to be pro-America in the field that I want to be, and I am. I love America. I love I love this nation that we live in. You know, all that hurrah. But I also think you there's something change. there's something wanna... fundamentally wrong, and the the way that the book describes how to f- fundamentally fix those type of institutions is by the same manner of it should just be destroyed. Essentially, <laughs> they you gotta you gotta get rid of them, build it back up. And I personally am of that belief that you mm. just, with those type of things, get rid of it. So, so a re- revolution. A rev- I'm not endorsing any revolutions <laughs> for anyone that may be listening, but I do think uh, 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 having a, what would you call it? Uh, 
a revolution of ideas. Yes, I think is a better way of putting what I would endorse. An intellectual uh, revolution. It, it, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a nice everyone gets together and they have a little nice Socratic seminar and they talk about their feelings and their ideas. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, but of course I support movements like Black Lives Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I support those type of things. I don't support people who are like mask mandates suck. I'm gonna do a trucker convoy. I don't support that. <laughs> you know, that's that's not fundamentally what's wrong with society. <laughs> Systematic racism is what's wrong with society. Having to put on a mask is is a is a minor inconvenience, yes, because even my ears, I'll admit, my ears fucking hurt when I wear a mask. But I'm not gonna take off my mask and be like, the government sucks. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna be like, wow, the government's really fighting for me. Okay, because yeah. I'm gonna I'm going to believe what the government says, although they're not the right. They're not right all the time, and they definitely lied to us. Uh, but I'm going to choose to believe in my government, okay? And I can't mm. fight that because of some mask mandates. I can fight that because systematic racism is a real thing. E- economic immobility is a real thing. The wealth own everything. That's a real thing. So let's say, and luckily we're getting to a point now where masks are not really, you know, Yeah, mandate, mandates are lifting. Yeah, yeah, slowly yeah. but surely it's getting all loosey-goosey, which is nice. Um, I'm very much looking forward to not having masks anymore. Yeah, but, but, you know, COVID is still such a big thing in our lives regardless. For sure. Which is such an um, inconvenience. And to um, the point before, like you said, uh, breaking it all down and then building it back up. Mm-hmm. How do you think America, because as you said, you need to be pro-America on the situation that you're or at least in the field that you're trying to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, how would America safely transition from into these two periods? Because I think that's a main argument that we hear from the other. So I'm going to be completely transparent with you. Yeah. I am of the belief that there's no way we can destroy it all completely and building it back up because mm-hmm. we have to learn. We have to at least have some sort of framework that we can learn from. Yeah. Acknowledge the mistakes, acknowledge the things that work, you know, not just the things that work for the most wealthy people. However, I am very curious, though, because I'm always, the whole thing with this show is like going into every conversation open-minded. I'm totally willing to have my opinion changed right now. No, no, So no. I would love to hear how you think America could safely transition into those two periods. Look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the most colloquial person. I don't think I, I can change opinions. I, can, I don't think I can change people's minds. What I do think is I could put thoughts into people's minds. I think yeah, yeah. that... Because it, it depends on the type of institution. Uh, I don't want to change every institution. I still think there are some that works with, uh, for us. But let's take uh, medical fascism. Let's take our mm. current healthcare system. Okay. Uh, uh, I agree let's with you, let's yeah. let's centralize healthcare. Let's have it for the people. I'd rather pay more taxes so I can be seen at a hospital and not have to pay a buttload of money because I stuck my toe on a table. You know, mm. I think I think if you were to Oh, what is the word? There's a word. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Know. That's gonna rack my brain. There's Incentive? a No, 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 no. It's a word. It's uh, subsidized. Yeah. I believe subsidize. that the, the government needs to subsidize these type of things that are just lent out to private companies. So I think private companies are definitely not working for the people. Okay. Yeah, people like Martin Shkreli who raised the price of. of uh, that thing that people need for in, in, insulin, I think it was insulin or it was some medical drug for diabetes. Yeah, insulin. Mm. Raised it by what, 700%? Uh, some insane uh, in, uh, increase in the amount of value just so he could become richer. And where does that put the common people? 
broke. When Republicans vote against a bill that lowers the price of ins insulin to $36 and they reject that because they're in the pockets of you know private companies, I don't want that. I want the right. government to be able to regulate that. I want the government to be like, here's the, here's the set price. Here's what we're going to do for people. I'm not saying Obamacare was the best thing in the world. I'm not saying Medicare or Medicaid is, but that's a step in itself in the right direction of centralizing healthcare for the common people. And not right. to, not that people have to pay out of their own pockets and only furthering their own immobility economically to just stay in their own poverty traps. Because right? I feel like I'm currently in a poverty trap, right? Where it's like I, I cannot get out of my economic situation because of medical fascism, because gas prices are rising, because housing market, because jobs don't pay as much, because there's just so many expenses of like emergencies that come out of nowhere yeah. that don't allow anyone to save. And I think... Mm. With with centralizing and subsidizing these type of institutions, people are given those economic opportunities mm -hmm. to advance, at least to take care of themselves. Okay? Mm -hmm. Which is like coming out of college, I think that's like the thing I become most radical about. It's just like I want to live. And, you know, I work so I can live, but now I just work to hope hopefully have enough money for the next emergency that comes in my life. Okay, because I just spent $1,600 on fixing my AC and that put me in the hole again when I had just started saving up again from another car accident. You know, Damn. you know, I feel like people don't really have those type of opportunities to get out of the hole, you know, and I, I believe it's even worse in developing countries, you know. Mm. So what if, you know, as a thought experiment, mm -hmm. um, going back to not only Andrew Yang, but other people have thought about this idea too i'm sure you've heard of it you, uh universal basic income so you know because now that's that wouldn't fix every problem but andrew yang has basically said oh let's give everybody a thousand dollars a month i remember and, i remember that as his platform yeah beyond that you know i think that of course I, I i am of the belief yes we should change the healthcare system you know mm -hmm. I, now i'm not gonna i'm gonna just offer this as a thought experiment too mm -hmm. Um, you know, let's, why don't we just try to think about how or why, not politicians, we understand why politicians are rejecting a bill that makes insulin less, Yeah, we, we, because they're not going to make their money. Yeah. But let's think about why the average American who is wealthy might not want privatized, um, privatized healthcare. One reason that I can think of is... That would or wouldn't want. Uh, why wealthy Americans in general who can pay for private health care mm -hmm. don't want... Not all... I'm sure some of them don't, don't mind it. But what I'm saying is a lot of people prefer having a private doctor uh -huh. be, and they can afford it. And what I'm saying is a big reason for that is when you look at certain government programs. And this isn't me saying I don't... I think that it's possible to make a subsidized healthcare program and put the effort in to make it a good system. Other countries have done it. And I know everybody's like, well, you can't compare America to other countries because they don't have the same amount of people. Nope. And it's like, you, you it's can like definitely make the comparison. Well, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, okay, you that just sounds like you're giving up before you even try the idea. Yeah. But what I'm going to say is there are certain governmental, pro let's, let's think about like the DMV. Okay. I know it's a little different than healthcare, but. The DMV sucks, all mm -hmm. right? Let's just be honest. It sucks to go to the DMV. 
It sucks to wait in line. It sucks to have them call your number and you have to wait and you have to – because government programs, unfortunately, get congested like that. So the only – I can think of one argument off the bat, which is that if every sink – if all healthcare is centralized, there's going to be so much more, you know – and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's going to be so much more policy. There's going to be so much more paperwork. There's going to be so much more blah, blah, blah. Whereas when you go to it, not that there's not paperwork with a private firm, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, you know, you go to a doctor and it's between you two. It's it, between it's, it's you, service, you yeah. and the doctor. And again, I'm not saying that's not, there's not problems with that because there is economic inequality. Mm-hmm. But I'm just trying to sit here and say you know, we need to try to understand because I'm with you and I hear you. There's wealthy people, the, the, the wealthiest people in the United States. Let's, I mean, I hate to generalize generally. And I know there's plenty of wealthy people who give to charity and stuff. And that's great. Give to charity. But that doesn't help anyone if the systems aren't changing. There's still plenty of homeless people who don't have access to certain things because our either our state... Florida doesn't give a shit. I don't even know. I I don't know enough about it to make that opinion. But what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> um, no, I I'm in your I mind. Know I'm going I'm off. In, I'm, in I know, your, I'm in your mind. I know I'm going off on a whole thing. I always do this, but it's like there there's there's there. I think it's important to say this is that the whole point we did this show we do this show too is to try to say well let's at least think about why wealthy people think the way they do. Mm-hmm. You know like. And I, do you have, like, well, okay. I'm just going to offer well, that to here, you. Here's two routes I'm going to go. Okay, the, I'm going to go with the latter. This, the detractor of subsidizing health care, of, you know, centralizing health care and making it for the people is your rate. It's a slower system. Okay, it's not going to be as, it's going to be as funded as it can be, but you're, how are you going to find the people to run it, uh, full-time service, you know, taking care of all the patients? You're going to be faced with a huge workload. Okay, mm-hmm. and we're clearly seeing how currently with COVID, or at least during the peak of COVID, that was such a big problem in our hospitals that easily crumbled because of a virus. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I th- I do think that with centralized healthcare, that could become more apparent as time goes along. There's a there's an old uh, army veteran that I knew. He was about 30 years old. I met him when I was 18. He had told this story about when he was stationed in France. Um, he went into a hospital he got shot in the leg he went to the, i don't know why he got shot in the leg there's not like there's a war going on but he got shot in the leg but he went to the hospital <laughs> he went to the hospital and he was he was put in a queue of people who were just waiting people because france's healthcare is centralized you know it's it's free healthcare. um and he says uh, he told the people look i'm american i have this and this is the policy he got whisked away right to a private doctor while he comes out two hours later and those people are still in the same line mm-hmm. right? and that's a big detractor is like where is the service like because of course wealthy people can still pay for faster services that don't get me wrong that's perfectly fine but i still think there should be a foundation for at least the common people mm. to have that same ability yes. even if it's slower even if it's less yes. uh, potent yeah. i think people should still have that opportunity yes. to still be seen and not pay a- out the ass yes. so so yes. so what i'm hearing you say is there should be a choice for private there should be a choice for private health. There should be a choice. But there needs to be a base health system. There, I definitely agree there needs to be a base health system for people who cannot get out of that, like, immobility. They cannot pay for a private doctor. They can still be seen. Doesn't that they, exist, though, with, like, Medicare? Uh, exactly. 
but it's still such a weak system that it's like it's just now well funded because uh, politicians in different types of states, specifically blue or red states, sorry, not blue, mm-hmm. red states, who just refuse aid. Rick Scott in one year denied over two billion dollars of get of of Medicaid programs. Okay, yeah. so who does that affect? That affects Floridians. That affects Hispanics who can't, who just come into the nation. They don't have, they don't have anything to their name. Okay, they're trying and they get hurt. Okay, mm-hmm. that's why I, it, I work at Morgan and Morgan. I work in workers' comp. That's why a lot of people come to workers' comp for those mm-hmm. type of things, but they still can't be seen. They still can't get the assistance they need mm-hmm. because there is no basis for healthcare. There, not a strong basis. I'm going to admit, and you're right, there is a basis. But it's very weak at this moment, especially with the way that politicians just reject the money. Okay, and it's because mm-hmm. it's not prioritized. And it's not prioritized. It's not. It's privatized to big corporations. Okay, and it's not subsidized and it's not regulated by the government. And the the former reason why I think that people like those private doctors are those are the baby boomers. Those are people who are more traditionalists. They want service to themselves, a little selfish, uh, but those people have that choice to want to pay out from their pockets to get a private doctor. Hey, good to you. If you're wealthy and you can pay for your doctor, that's fine. But me, I'm broke as shit. I had money. <laughs> it's gone now. And now I can't, I, if I get injured, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not going, I'm not going to the hospital. This is going to be, I have insurance. I have life insurance. I have health coverage, but I'm still not going to go to the hospital because that doesn't do anything for me. Mm. Right. There's yeah. no protection for me to get help. I've been sick. Well, sick uh right i'm not sick anymore Air but hooks. i was yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i was sick for about three weeks with a with a horrible cough okay and i just refused to see a doctor even when i had muscle fatigue i wasn't getting sleep uh, i my bones were getting huge headaches uh just sore throat i refused to see a doctor until my coworkers were like go see a doctor and i'm like fine i'll find i'll go to patients first you know patients first is great because they don't they, they're walking clinics. That's fine. I love clinics. Great, great for the common person. Um, mm. But it's like I'm still not getting the help that I need because these are just people who are cert- CNA, certified nursing assistants. These are not doctors. I'm not being seen by a pediatrician or, or an orthopedic doctor to help me. I'm being seen by a, a nurse. Okay, And it's like I should still have the ability to see a doctor even if I can't pay on my ass. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like I'm underneath that system of medical fascism that I can't appreciate the fact that I could go see a CNA right? because I'd rather get help or just not get help at all because I'm going to have to pay for it. Okay, so really quick, because you've thrown this term out a few times, I would love to know, could you define medical fascism? So medical fascism is when, uh, just to kind of put it like lightly, uh, it's when the government, it's not, how do I, okay, hold on. Cause now I gotta now I gotta think about fascism real quick. Uh, it's like oh Nazis. No, but, uh, no, but it, it's medical fascism in a way is like it's the fact that it's all owned by these private companies who are just who are like excluding the common person. Okay, they're they're forcing these ideas and these policies and you to pay the big the, these big bills on you. Okay, you can't have access to medicine. You can't have access to healthcare uh, unless you cough up a, a, a lung and a leg. Okay, mm-hmm. 
in my belief, that's medical fascism when it's not accessible by everyone. And it's only held in the hands of the few who are just going to rack up their prices for the medicine that you need to save your life. Mm. Right? That is medical fascism. That is, it's medical fascism when you can't see a hospital because you're scared of paying the bills because some big uh, owner is like, I don't care about the common person. I'm just here trying to make money. You know how much these, uh, see, uh, these CAT scans cost? I don't mm-hmm. a yeah. cat scan. Uh, you know, those are expensive as hell. Yeah, you know that's I I, I maybe I'm not getting the definition right, and maybe I'm just a little bit too impassioned right now, or too passionate about the co- the conversation. But medical fascism is just that exclusion to the common person. You now, know now that they about, can't get those resources. Now what about systems that are in place? We'll, we'll have to take a break here in a second. But what about systems that are in place besides Medicare? Because you know I agree with you that exists and. But is it necessarily prioritized? At least not in Florida. I'm sure other states maybe do it better. Yeah, other, I'm sure um, other states do it better too. But I know what you're saying. And what about the other systems in place, such as insurance? And it, there, I know that there are plenty of layers to this conversation. But let's just say you, you go to college, you get an education, you find a job that has benefits. You have ways to get health care and not pay for all of it. You have deductibles. And America's not perfect, and America has a lot of things that it needs to figure out. But it capitalism and the way our system works has given birth to, to, to these other systems that, I mean, I don't know if Europe, I'm sure Europe, maybe they have benefits in their job. But because we don't have free health care, there's another system in place called insurance. Mm-hmm. So, oh, hey, you don't have to pay full price for your health care. We will. You only have to pay a deductible. The most you're gonna have to pay is like six thousand dollars when you have these benefits, and that's available to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Again, not everybody can get those, and I know that. And I'm only saying I'm not saying this to because I disagree with you. I'm saying this just to posit the idea of there are. You're of the belief that that doesn't like maybe matter. We should just have centralized healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is that well, kind of what you're well, saying? Well, I I I I am going to, I I am of the belief and you're right. I I'm going to I I do believe that there is a th- a thin line in which people can choose whether or not to just go through centralized healthcare programs or to go hi- and hire their own private doctor. I believe that people can get insurance and there are people who can't get insurance. Yes. I believe that people can go through their jobs to get medical insurance to get benefits, but Here's the thing about capitalism and connecting it all insurance to jobs and to private companies is now I have a now I have a noose on my neck because now I have to work to get med- if if you choose to go the route of getting benefits through through your job and people are scared to lose that job because how are you going to pay the bills uh, if you have if you're sent to the hospital how do you pay for that okay now you now you're forced to stay in that job because of those benefits and why do i need to stay at a job that's gonna you know great benefits sure why is the government not providing that you know mm-hmm. why do i need to rely on a on, on a job on nine to five in which i slave away half of my day you know give up the majority of my life just so i can get these benefits that should easily be provided by the government mm-hmm. right? and that's my argument why isn't the government just easily providing these things Mm-hmm. Why aren't politicians just pushing full force into these bills, into these these legislation to help the common person? Okay, and right. why does it have to be connected 
to money, right? Right, because mm-hmm. if it, because at the end of the day, it's always going to be connected to money, even if it was owned by the government or owned by jobs. Someone or owned has by, to pay for it. it. Someone's going to have to pay for it. Yeah. I'd rather pay more taxes to get more to get more help because that means the government is working towards me, and mm-hmm. right now it seems like the government is working against me. And on top of that, I have to pay private companies for insurance and for healthcare and for benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly. I think what you're talking about can be achieved without you having to pay extra taxes if the most wealthy in America you know, did have to pay those taxes maybe regardless they up, of maybe, like... Maybe they're forced to cough up a loan. Because it's like, yeah. if you really think about it, let's take Elon Musk, for example. Um, people love to say he's an in- innovator of his time. He started from nothing. No, he did not. His father owned a diamond mine in Africa. <laughs> oh, okay? He was born into money. Oh, okay? So you cannot tell me... That yes, I you know what Tesla. I had no idea. Yeah, Tesla. Hey, great guy. You know what Elon Musk. Hey, cool inventions. Make more flamethrowers. Okay, but like, where is the where is he coming from by saying I started from the bottom and but now I'm gonna be like I don't support uh, socialist ideas or I don't support like uh, hell, like these uh because remember when he had that whole spat with Bernie on Twitter and all that and he was just like you guys remember that you guys ever heard about that. So, so, well, let's just say the fact that he was just calling Bernie an old socialist man who doesn't understand the people. And it's like, Elon, you don't understand the people. All you care about is your investors and rising Tesla stocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why doesn't he, he pledged to pay. So mind you, 2018, he paid 0% in taxes. Wow. Okay. 0%. It was 20, so you're 2018, 2019. Don't quote me, uh, quote me on the fact that he paid 0% taxes. Don't quote me on the year. And then this year he pledges uh, he's gonna donate fifteen he's gonna donate fifteen billion dollars in taxes. The guy makes about three hundred eighty four million like a day a minute. Okay, I don't care about fifteen billion dollars yeah. in taxes. You're making way more than that in a year. So pay the price of percentage that you're supposed to when you have taxes. Okay. Now isn't the way that these and then we're gonna take a break after this. I just I want to hear your perspective because I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this. But isn't the way that these large companies, they they experience these quote-unquote tax cuts is because they donate to these charitable is, – is that, is that why there's like the Bill there's, and there's, Gates? There's, lo- there's, lobbyists, the there's lobbying systems in place. Gates there's, Foundation? Whatever the, Ga- the Gates Foundation is one thing. Yeah, there's – it's more like – It's so complicated. It is complicated. And I the reason <clears> it's – the reason why companies get these tax breaks is fundamentally, I have no idea why. I don't know why hmm. in 2020, the government was like, the government bailed out a bunch of companies that were supposedly going under because of COVID. And then we're like, you don't have to pay the break for those tax breaks we give you for the loans we gave out to you. But now everyone who got a loan and, you know, everyone who gets a loan, you know, at any point in time has to pay that back. Student debt is a huge thing. We're, yeah. I, I, I have student debt, I'll admit it, you know? Mm-hmm. But right now, I was an 18-year-old who had to incur thousands of dollars of student debt, okay, and not fully comprehend that until now that I'm 21. Yeah. And now I'm being, and thankfully, we don't have to pay student debt just yet. We got to hold off until like July or something. But like when that comes and hits, where, where do I go? Who do I go for help with that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think these types of companies, all they do is just like they get help from the government. Okay, they the government, in, and this is where I come back to with these institutions that only benefit the wealthy. 
because it seems like all these government, all the government is doing is just helping politicians do insider trading, do stock, do, do learn about the stock market, do information that we do not have access to that only the wealthy do, mm-hmm. and that sometimes redditors on Wall Street bets maybe find out. About. And it's almost like it's a paywall because of you needing a degree you need to an, get that information first. <laughs> I and have some, to your point, I have before, some things to say when we come back. When, when, for sure, we're okay, going to take a break. Yeah, and to, to your point before, um, how it's like you know there are deductibles and stuff that are available to you. You know, if you were able to go to college and get you know this and that, and you acknowledge the billions of conversations that can happen around that. that for sure. Yeah. But even in that fact, because you know that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Devil's advocate, here I am. But um, but. I'm pretty sure in America, oh, don't quote me on this. I'm really statistics. Me and statistics. Are it's, best a pod, it's a podcast. Dude, I'll look it up right now. I'll fact check you. Please do. So, thir- only about thirty percent of the American population goes to college and finishes their four years. Well, yeah, because 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 emergencies come up in life. You yes. might have a kid. You might your family. You you might not be able to pay for college anymore. There's a lot of things yes. that can happen. And that's why poverty traps are such a big thing in any society where it's like you're, you, you cannot get into those economic opportunities because it's like, yes, now I have a bachelor's degree. Now my job might like I've applied for a ton of jobs. None of them have gotten back to me and I have a bachelor's in political science. I'm trying to get into my field. Yeah. Wow. Great. I can't find anything in my field, you know? Yeah. And I have friends who are having that same issue too, where it's like, okay, here now I have to pay a lower paying job in something completely unrelated. In the hopes that one day I'll find what I want to do. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and that point I was making before, it's like, I don't know if you've run up on that statistic yet. I'm just reading it to make sure I have the numbers correct. Keep going. Um, but as far as, so let's say sticking with the 70-30, 70% of people not going to college or maybe not being able to on top of that, mm-hmm. 30% being able to. And to your point before... Of that 30%, how many people are graduating with so much student debt that they might not be able to pay it out until they retire? Yeah. So uh, how many people are really being given the opportunity to achieve that wealth? You know, when we really think so about it, it's think about difficult. It, yeah. So in 2019, this is from census.gov. In 2019, high school was the highest level of education completed by 28.1% of the population. Okay. Uh, and 22.5, age 25 and older, and 22.5% finished four years of college. Hmm. So it's even lower than what you, well, for 2019, it seems like it's a lower number, a lower statistic than even 30%. Which is not good. I was hoping for higher. Yeah, I, you would you would think so. <laughs> you would think that you would be like, yeah, please, please, yeah. I want more people to be more educated because with more education comes more liberals. But that's besides the point. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, no, this is a this is a different one. This is from this is from 2021. Nearly 94 million, or 42 percent of Americans aged 25 and over, have a college degree of some type. Okay. Okay, so that's associates and bachelors. That's good. Oh, no, that could be either or, or masters, or you know, going yeah. all the full eight years. You know, getting yeah. a gotcha. PhD. So that's that's not horrible. That's good. That's that's better than you know. Now it did say the vast it. majority of them are white, which okay. is another another issue. <laughs> Whoa, that's let's, a, let's that's go a to break. Yeah, we need to, we definitely need to take a break, but uh, we'll, we'll be, be right back, back in a second. <laughs>
We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron Bachman, Marissa Arnone, Mimi Schultz, Dan Winstrup, Corbin Gulo, and Christina Shan for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show couldn't be possible without listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about Active Hope. Now, back to the episode. All right, we're back. And uh, quick note, Sam has informed me that Elon Musk's father owned an emerald mine. Emerald mine. Not so a diamond Either mine. way, it was expensive gems. Okay, Elon, you came from money. But Sam was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> my argument is flawed. I, you raced the past hour of dialogue. So I did want to say something before the break, which is I think there is a lot of flack that p- people give to rich people. I don't think we need to be targeting Elon Musk and and uh, we don't need to villainize them. I don't think we need. I don't think we need to even be targeting those people. We need to be targeting the people who are are lobbyists or, or, or screw screw lobbyists. We need to be targeting the system of government that allows things like that to happen. Politicians are like you said. And I, I'm, I know that it sounds like I'm agreeing with – I am agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. No, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of talk about like, oh, fuck rich people, fuck rich people. Look, if you have the choice, you have the choice to not give away your heart, your money, your money. Some pe- Fine. Some people were born into wealth. I get it, man. But y- you don't – I don't want to – not me personally, but I'm thinking in the mind of someone who's got that kind of money – I, can't, I get it. You don't want to give away your money. Yeah. No, I definitely so, don't want to. Well, and, so. I, and, I, and I understand that that's a problem, but it's just like I don't think we should be fucking yelling at rich people. We need to be yelling at the government, which, you, which is what you're saying. Uh, no, I, I do agree that we should be, you know, owing everything to the government, right? Here's my argument, and this is what I've been fuming about in the back of the corner of this yeah. chair. <laughs> so the reason why I could target someone like Elon Musk is because that's a salient topic. You know, it's not it's something that people are still talking about. And it's like I can't go after someone like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, even though we brought up the Gates Foundation earlier. It's a lot harder. But what's something that people don't understand is that these people who have achieved their wealth did start out at a low place like Bill Gates, you know, Apple garage, you know. You start off in a garage. Bill Gates started off with his father, of course, investing his ideas. But at the same time, going back into this idea of, like, these bailouts that the government does for rich people. Now, don't quote me on the statistics, of course, which is, like, the big thing is don't quote me on the statistics. But quote me on the idea. Elon Musk had to be bailed out because Tesla was failing. Yeah. The government subsidized Tesla into forcing them to make electric cars. That is why we have electric cars. When Elon Musk is asking his employees to work uh, over 40 hours because he doesn't have enough workers, even though he says he does, even though he says he's got these grand ideas because, and he's asking these workers to work over 40 hours because Tesla 3s are starting to blow up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And they have a fundamental issue in their programming that causes them to burst into flames. And he has a tunnel that just sticks all these Teslas in a single tunnel with no way out. There's an issue. And I also think, I agree, there's also an issue with the politicians. Because who in their right mind allowed Elon Musk to build a tunnel for Tesla-sponsored cars only in, where was it, Nevada? I don't know. Who was the politician who did that? Why would you 
entertain the idea of a millionaire to build a tunnel of a high, uh, to build a fuck all tunnel. Is that okay. connecting to Las Vegas or something? It, yeah, Las Vegas. I'm thinking Las Vegas. I'm thinking Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. I just think that something that we need to owe credit to, and something that I hey, I'm not targeting the rich. Okay, I, and I I I don't want to eat the rich. I want them to pay their due diligence and taxes. Right. Yes. Because if the common people have to pay their taxes and they have to pay these abhorrent tax rates, I just think that rich people should just. Be willing not to cough up their money, but as a citizen of the United States, pay their taxes. Yes. Right. And I and, and you know what? I agree with you 100%. Why don't people say it that way then? Why do people go Me- at rich people and say, you need to give us money. You're evil. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to give you my money if you think I'm evil. Why do I want to help you if you're calling me evil? Well, that that's that's a topic on its own because that's media manipulation. That is that is the manipulation of ideas. Because where is if you're te- if I'm if I'm the common person and I'm like you know what yeah I actually I actually do want the the rich to pay their taxes I pay their taxes. But if you're like a cold blooded Republican, not cold blooded, you know I'll I take know that back. Mean. If you're a Republican who's like speech. who's trying to hold, yeah figure speech. If I'm trying to hold on to my wealth, I'm trying to save my money. Even the like, why am I gonna support something that's like eat the rich? I want the rich to pay. No, I'm. If you're if you're a wealthy person, you're gonna yeah I agree. You're gonna want to keep on to your wealth, but you're gonna have to keep on to your wealth in congru in congruence to what the government requires of you to pay. Right? And currently, the main issue is is that these people are only getting the aid by the federal government. They're only getting these bailouts. They're getting these tax breaks. And then on top of all of that, they're not paying their taxes. That yeah. is my issue. I just think it's it's a matter of who is it addressed to, how is it addressed to them, and what is its salience? What is it? How does what does it matter to the people to really understand the idea? And it's a bit of a manipulation, if I'm being honest. And I just want to say that. Uh, going just to re- rebuttal what I just said about, oh, coming after rich people. I can understand why somebody would say rich people are evil when they don't do exactly what you just said. Why would I want to try to have a civilized conversation with a rich person who is denying to pay their taxes? Mm. I get it. And it's a really crazy subject that obviously we haven't solved here in 57 minutes mm-hmm. but uh, we could do it though give it give me 60 60 minutes i could solve it three minutes uh, i got it uh is there anything you want to say Caleb? um i am only wondering if the government is bailing these companies out because the american economy is so dependent on them but that's, well that's what i was going to say and because it's like you know, it's like the idea of like the Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. But just because that's the way it is, doesn't mean that's the way it should be. No, I totally. Which agree. I think is exactly what you're Cause, saying. Because yes, you do have to agree. I do agree. But here's my argument, or here's just something to just as as food for thought. Inflation's on the rise. Normally, inflation's on the rise when companies uh, are just raising their prices because they're not making as much money. Companies are making the most money of COVID nineteen than they've had in their like entire like their years of being in business. I, 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 I hate saying here are the statistics and here are the facts because I know I've read this but I can't quote myself on it like accurately enough. But there are just companies out there who are making their most amount of money, the most amount of money in their GDP. You know, uh, their most, most amount of money, revenue. net worth, assets, all that. But you know. With that in mind, why are prices still going up for things? 
You know, why are why why can why are boxes of cereals rising in price? Right? When supposedly workers are now back, you know, workers are now, you know, you know, it it's let, let's take uh, oh my god. This it's just so much to want to get into really. <laughs> yeah, because cuz now I'm going to be like unions and strikes and, and the This is why. I can tell you why. Oh. It's because it, it's because the global supply chain problem. I'll give you that. Yeah, that is and very right. You're very because, right about that, actually. So, COVID ended, and yes, money's money's companies made a ton of money. Also, mm-hmm. Sam, we gotta fucking learn about who you are. So we're gonna end this conversation soon. But <laughs> what I was gonna say is. Uh, I'm a disembodied voice to anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> I do not care if they know about me. I only care that they know that they're wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, especially to the private investigator who may or may not be listening oh, to this God. in a couple of years. So, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see here. Um, no, I'll give you that. No, I, let me I, see. I, Hold I, on. Let me, I, let me. I do have to give you credit for that. I, I, I was wrong about the. I forgot about the current right. crisis going out throughout Listen. the rest of the world that's affecting our. Listen, economy. this is from AP News. Okay? okay, very reputable source. Associated Press. When the pandemic paralyzed the economy in the spring of 2020 and lockdowns kicked in, businesses closed or cut hours, and consumers stayed home as a health precaution. Employers slashed a breathtaking 22 million jobs. Economic output plunged at a record-shattering 31% annual rate in 2020's April-June quarter. We weren't making a lot of money in that quarter. You're describing inflation right now. Everyone braced for more misery, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, instead of sinking into a prolonged downturn like, like every other depression has, suddenly the economy staged an unexpectedly rousing recovery fueled by vast infusions of government aid so trump and biden sending people money bunch of debt and then <laughs> yeah bunch so, of debt. so <laughs> aid and then or more so canceling a lot of debt. emergency intervention by the fed which slashed interest rates so interest went down people I, I don't exactly remember how interest works but you know it's like people didn't have to pay as much on things oh the interest rates were at like zero percent so, for a while for ridiculous a while, yeah. so by the spring of last year, 2021, the rollout of vaccines and emboldened consumers, because look, every the, the 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 pandemic ends and everyone's like, holy shit, we can go out again. Let's just go fucking do stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of demand when supply had suddenly, businesses did not have the same amount of employees. Well, okay. Businesses didn't, weren't making the same mm-hmm. amount of products because of the economic downturn. And so all of a sudden, you've got tons of people coming. Yeah, this is literally back, what it says. Back into the economy. So suddenly businesses had to, yeah, scramble to meet demand. They couldn't hire fast enough to fill job openings. A record near 10.9 million in December of 2021 or buy enough supplies to meet customer orders. So with demand up and supplies down, costs rose, and companies found out that they could pass along those higher costs in the form of higher prices. So, I mean, and then other people are blaming Joe Biden's coronavirus relief package. So, you know, that alone, this is a good point. That's $1.9 trillion, yes, given to aid. It's it's helping people. It is helping people. Mm -hmm. But it's also... Uh, oh, this is what it says. It's overheating an, econ- an economy that was already starting to heat up again. Yeah. So it's like 
we're spending money on aid and then we're and then companies are spending more money on supplies so all of a sudden everything that ever costs money ever and then not not to mention you know this whole russia thing doesn't help because now joe biden is cutting off oil from russia mm -hmm. and gas is already going up because of the supply problems it's going to keep going up so there's a lot of shit I, I don't think i don't think companies are being nefarious man i i, I personally not that they are not that they don't do things that are nefarious they do but I think it's a lot more complicated than that. There, there is an unforeseen pandemic that is now causing <clears throat> money to fucking explode. So this goes back into everything I started off the conversation with. Because you make a very good point. Federal aid was given to these companies to support them during these trying times. Given to people. <laughs> given to people. Well, here's the thing, though. And this is why I believe institutions should be fixed in America. Why did it take months of deliberation on both party sides for $2,000 to be given to the it Congress? It didn't, though. Trump gave money to people. No, it, it, you still have to pass both houses. You still have to pass the Senate. You still have to pass the House of Representatives. It was still very heavily debated whether or not to give people yes. that money. And those, ta those that federal aid that went out to companies, boom, like that. Those tax breaks that were given to companies, and which unfortunately just puts off that because who now who has to recuperate that 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 those expenses for federal aid it's the people because guess what companies got their tax rates companies don't have to pay that anymore because it was all it was for it was forgiven because as the article said the pandemic was causing companies to lose people to lose product people were not spending money because of the pandemic and as caleb said before <clears throat> Companies are the backbone of our economy. People are, yes, we, we help the economy by spending money. Mm -hmm. But the reason our economy works is because of companies big and small. So giving, unfortunately, small businesses are going to suffer mm -hmm. because the, the largest businesses in the United, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm saying this is how it is the largest businesses in the United States that hold everything together, that, that control or at least hold a lot of the wealth of the United States, had to be bailed out so that our country didn't go into freaking a crumbling state. Mm -hmm. We don't have a socialist government or economy. Mm -hmm. So other countries that do <clears throat> didn't probably didn't have to do that. But we as to keep our country functioning had to do that i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm just saying like that's why that's why we're seeing the things uh, i think i think right my now. argument more so is why do the common people have to take on that burden now and not corporations who i agree are kind of the reason why our the government has to give money to these people because they are the backbone of our economy and we're, we don't belong in a, in a communist regime where everything is regulated, where the market system is regulated by the government. I'll give you that. My only argument is, and my only issue is, why does it fall upon the people to pay back the debts that were, that were all forgiven for, government, for and, corporations? And that's all I'm asking. I agree with you. One, I truly 100% agree with you. And I think that that's a problem that America needs to figure out because it is a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge that we have to face. We're in a world where that is a reality that we are all aware of now. 
And that is the next great challenge for our generation to deal with. Just paying some taxes and everyone acknowledging that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody, everybody's got some level of responsibility that they need yes. to take on. Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants responsibility. Most of the time, responsibility is given to people. Yeah. Um, and... To, you know, to clarify your uh, to points and everything, and honestly, because we've been talking for an hour and eight minutes so far about <laughs> what seems to be some of the most complicated topics of the human race at the moment. At, at you the know, time. who the fuck are we? Whether it's, whether <laughs> I, it's the pandemic, whether it's socialism, whether it's capitalism, whether it's the economy as a whole, whether it's the healthcare system. I mean, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. But I think you bring up a wonderful point in that it shouldn't come down to... Yes. The common people to take the responsibility that regardless of whether or not these companies intended to do so, the results of their actions have put us where we are today. And therefore, it sounds like if they just pay some taxes, maybe we'll all forget about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? That is the point at the end of the day. Uh, people should just pay their taxes. I agree with and, you. <laughs> you know, like, 100%. And, just, and that we should endorse innovation in our society amongst the common pay, people. Pay so, your taxes and then go see your private doctor. You can afford it. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> correct. If, if you can afford one, okay? Yes. And, and if you can't, then you're liable enough to go want to see a doctor that you don't have to pay for and you can get yeah. shitty service. I agree with you. But you're going to see one regardless. <laughs> That's all that matters, man. <laughs> Well, Sam, so far in this co- in this conversation, you have been very articulate about your beliefs and your opinions on things, and I appreciate you pushing and pulling with the things that Ted and I will give because I think, as we clearly saw about ten minutes ago, we can get pretty passionate about these yeah. things, right? Um, and I would love to know what makes you so passionate about these things. What got you into political science in the first place? Uh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was, yeah, everybody. That, that, that was it. That was it. Yeah. It was Bush. It was Bush. <laughs> it always goes back to Bush. <laughs> but so the reason why I got into politics is just because it's it's so funny to say. It's just because as a young child, I just always wanted to be a politician. Hmm. I like I was like, fuck yeah, corrupt corrupted. People, yes, I can exploit the Commonwealth, and I I know everything about I for a long time and for a very long time in college. The first thing I would tell people if they ask about what my interests are is I want to become a lawyer. I want to become a politician because I easily know how to exploit this corrupt system that we have. This system that doesn't work for people except for those who know how to exploit it. And you know, of course that 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 that's not who I am now. But that was a joke I used to tell a lot of people. And I, I really had to deep dive into myself to figure out what do I mean by saying that? And I think it all just started with my parents. Okay. And I think and it's my, my parents are Cuban immigrants. They, they, they flew on a plane here. Uh, they, I can hear stories about their lives. I, my, I love my family. I love my parents. But it's just that this idea, these ideas that my family put into my head when I was a young child about politics, because most of who you are and most of your ideas, most of your, you know, of course, there's more of a break nowadays. And with this new like generations are coming out that break away from the traditionalist views of their family. But a lot of your ideas and values are formed by your parents and by by religious institutions, by schools, by those things that you were grew up by, but that your parents put you in. And it's just because I thought like my parents are telling me this and there's something wrong. I can tell there's something wrong. And it all started when my parents confused socialism with communism. Hmm. 
because you're right, Ted, you brought up, if you think about Cuba, you think about Fidel Castro. And underneath the Fidel Castro regime, a bunch of horrible things happened. Mm-hmm. But I think the worst thing that happened is that socialism, communism got jumbled up. Right? Because if you talk to a Cuban, someone from the island, someone who went through that time, and I've talked to plenty because I, you know, I grew up in that life, right? and I would ask these questions about why? Why do you think that way? Why is it that you can't see like these more liberal ideas, these more left ideas, these things that help everyone are so bad? And it's because Cuba was underneath a socialist regime that every, but that was actually communist. And everyone called it socialism, so now everyone in Cuba has this, a skewed for, uh, oh. opinion of what is what it means to be socialist. That's why you see Republicans are like, oh, the liberals are socialists. That is why you see that argument. Because mind you, Cubans or Hispanics are one of the biggest ethnic voting blocks in the United States. Hmm. Right? We make up, we don't make up a, a ton of the vote. But we make up more than a million of a vote, and to a to a Congress member, to a president, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is that is that is that is a good part of the vote. So you kind of have to exploit that. And I think what the Republicans did right is an assassination of character, assassinating what it means to be a socialist, what are socialist ideals, what it means for the people to have better access to resources. Because in Cuba. What it's a poor nation. It's a destabilized nation. I can tell you stories and stories about my family talking about crumbling infrastructure. About you know they had TV for an hour a day. You know they couldn't see much, but you know my parents would go out to Guantanamo Bay, and that's how they learned about American music. You know they would dance next to the gates uh, to the fences of all these. You know I mean funny enough, it's Guantanamo Bay, so you got you know you got people who are being held against their will, but you know they're also playing American music. So yeah. hmm. it's kind of haunting. It's kind of haunting. Uh, I think the funniest story, the funniest thing I can think about is my mother. She's five two. She's very short. Uh, and when and most nations do this, where you're you're forced when you enter into college or when you become a young adult, you're forced into uh, servitude mm-hmm. in the in the army. So I think it's the funniest thing to me when my mom tells me that she was manning the anti air guns. And then she has to do drills, and she's just like, boop, boop, boop. And I she's think like this, little lady. <laughs> this, little, this little lady who's t- who just turned 21, arming an anti-air gun, and all she can think about is, wow, this is socialism. My environment is that my government has put me in this because I have, and it's funny because it's like it's all it's all anti-American uh, propaganda, re- propaganda. But it's like at the same time, America is still considered the land of free ideas. It's considered the land of the people. It's considered where anyone can go and become rich. And my parents thought that, and they, I can say that I live comfortable. I, I try not to depend on my family as much as I used to because I want to make a name for myself. I want to figure out who I am. Uh, but I'm so glad I do have my family to bounce back on. But the ideas that they have, I just can't agree with because they're Republicans, but they're not Trumpists, okay? They're, but they're not, they don't like Joe Biden either, which is perfectly fine. Who does? And who's like, who like Trump either? So, you know, we, we, we're both, we were, everyone was dealt a very shitty hand, okay? To say the least with the last election. So, yeah. but it's like, it's just that fundamentalist thing of like me noticing like, hey, there's something just not right with whatever rhetoric they're trying to tell me that I was like, I, like it's not like I'm trying to go against my parents. It's not like I'm having a, a, a rebellious phase, a fa- phase, sorry, a rebellious phase against my family or against my parents and their ideas. It's just that I can clearly tell that they're just being lied to, right? That their ideas are just so skewed because they came from Cuba of all places. And I can imagine that's even worse in other places, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's why 
I, I, that's why I got into international politics because I wanted to see why is there that disconnect, right? Why why is this these type of propaganda machines exist that confuse people when all, ultimately everyone just wants a better life, okay? Mm -hmm. But because they're so continuously lied to, okay, by these corrupt governments, by these uh, by these elite regimes. Why can't it work out for everyone in the world? Mm -hmm. right? Why can't they just realize, hey, okay, this is what is going to help us in the long run. Why don't we fight towards that? And that's what I really want to do as an international, you know, as an ambassador. I just want to help people realize what is good for them. And even now, I can admit, America is not the greatest. I'm telling you right now, I want to destroy certain institutions. <laughs> okay? As a joke. <laughs> <laughs> wink wink but uh, it's still like there's just something you don't want to burn I'm just going to make it more clear you don't want to violently destroy institutions I think I just want to you want to reform them reform them because I think that and it goes back to why nations fail okay it's because there's these institutions that do not get fixed yeah. I mean and the only way to fix these type of institutions is to rework them from the ground up and mm. that is why, as a person, I think I owe a lot of my who I am to my parents and to my family. But it's also why I rebel against them so much ideology, uh, ideologically. It's because I know mm. and I can clearly see how they're... It's not like I'm telling my family they're wrong, but I can see why their life and the way they grew up and these horrible conditions, I see why they've been shaped like that. And because they've given me such a great opportunity to live in America, to be my own person, to give me freedom and to encourage me to be like, hey Sam, all we want is good A's, but is great grades, but do whatever you want, Sam. We'll support you all the way, which is something my parents didn't have. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I can truly appreciate that, but because they've given me that, I can tell where they're wrong. Mm. Right? And I know that at the end of the day, I want to fight for things that help my family. And what I'm trying to do is help my family now, even if it means telling them you're wrong to their face. Hmm. Yeah. How do you juggle that? Uh, not well. <laughs> I mean, it's very depressing, you know, long, long nights. And it's, it's, it, it was hard to like, you know, kind of just, it's, especially when you're growing up in Miami, there's a, it's a, it's a melt, it's a bigger melting, it's the South, but it's not the South. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and it's just, there's, it's a big melting pot, but it's like a lot of these people, these, it's Hispanics. It's, you know, Hispanics from Argentina, Chile, uh, Brazil, Venezuela, Cuba, Mexico, Puerto Rico, you know, all these kind of places. But the sad thing at the end of the day is these are all destabilized nations. Mm. And these are all people who came to America to find greater opportunities in their lives. And now they're here and they definitely have better economic opportunities. But at the same time, they're still getting destroyed by these institutions that exist in America. It's just a lesser of two evils. It's a lesser of two evils. Right? You do have more economic opportunities, but even as an individual, <clears throat> you still just don't have that much. Yeah. Okay. So that's why, I, like, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to fight for my family and what I know is right for my family. And I know my, I, if my parents ever listen to this, they'll be, they'll like argue like everything for the past hour and ten minutes that I fought for. Saying, hey, Elon Musk is a bad man. No, I'm not kidding. Um, but, uh, but I just know at the end of the day, I know what needs to happen out of this nation to fix everything, right? to make a better life for my sisters, for my family. Okay? Because I, 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 my family, I, I, I'm riddled, and I'm not riddled in medical debt. Or like, but I, I, my, me and my sisters are firsthand to medical professionals because we do have a lot of medical issues, right? For a good part of my life, I, like when I grew up, I couldn't hear. 
I had to get surgery on my ears because I couldn't speak. I, you guys are telling me I'm very articulate. I had to fight for that. Sorry about hitting your That's mic. Okay. I had to fight for that because I couldn't hear. My parents thought wow. I have a, a tendency to mumble and I have a tendency to stumble or stutter and just not to say correct words. Like my TH is like neither. It sounds like a D. I had to fight for that. I had to fight for where I am and I do it for my family. Okay? Yeah. Because I know that they've given me such great opportunities to go to college. Okay? They said, they said, Sam, money is not an issue. When I was at the lowest point in my life, they said, Sam, we are here for you. Okay? We will put you wherever you need to go. Okay? And I can always owe that to my family. And I know that they're still, it's like they're still struggling, yes. But they still have these opportunities that I just want them to have. So yeah. that's why at the end of the day, I fight for my family when I say, fuck uh, the traditional traditionalist ideas. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just want. I know where the world needs to go to be a better place, and I'm gonna fight for that till the end of my life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and, and at the end of the day, my parents might not see the world that I I I create. Okay. But I know that my sisters and my kids can. So why can't I fight for that? Why am I told by people I shouldn't go for that? Why am I told by Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert, who has a GED, she never graduated high school? Fuck Lauren Boebert, I hate her. Why can't I? <laughs> why can't I go up to these people and tell them why? Why can't you just let the world be a better place? Why can't you fight for your constituents as you say you do, okay, and not try to be a gun-toting prick, okay? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I know that there's salient issues like abortion or, you know, medical fascism or healthcare, yeah, all that stuff. We have, oh, and global warming, stuff like that. We know what we have to do, and I'm going to fight for it, okay? That's why I can have these type of arguments. That's why I went to college in the first place. Because I could, my parents told me if I didn't get to any college, they were just going to send me to medical school. Like, no, military school. I'm like, that would have been a waste of my potential. Because I know what I'm going to do in my life. Mm -hmm. I know where I'm going to fight to stay alive and to stay alive for my family. Because there's an old Greek parable um, where it's, you plant a tree to create shade, not for yourself, but for your kids and their kids to lie in. Okay? Mm. And that's why my biggest issue right now is that it seems like old traditional values are not fighting for who we are as a civilization anymore, who we are as millennials or, or Generation Z or Generation A, they're not fighting for us anymore. They're only trying to keep the money in their pockets, okay? And it's it's in its own in its own way, it's selfish, And I, but it's at the same time, they're still trying to, it's more selfish because it's keeping it to their own families. It's keeping it to their own values. And I understand that value of wanting to protect your own, yeah. but it's better to protect your own in the world that's changing so violently now, okay, by, having these institutions just be inclusive okay by letting the people the commonwealth grow and mm -hmm. right now that's not what we're getting and right now that's not what anyone in my family thinks is happening they want to keep to their traditionalist values they want to keep thinking communism is socialism and capitalism is the way to go and it's like i agree capitalism is the way to go you know but maybe I'm, change it up a bit. maybe change it up a bit. you know so, i don't i don't want to i don't want hyper capitalism to be the term that's thrown around when you think about our no, current it's a market bad system. thing yeah so you have adamantly stated that you are going to fight for these things in your life mm -hmm. through your career because you know that despite whether or not your family disagrees with you you know it's what's going to help them i know i know i know it is the better outcome for not just my family, because I also have to, because like I said, I'm not trying to be selfish and just try to keep my own survival, you know, my, my own survival. I'm trying to help everyone out. And I know that sometimes, hey, like I'm not saying I have the right idea of what's going to happen. I'm just a person. 
you know. But I know that the current route in which we're going isn't the right one. It doesn't help anyone except those people who exploit the system, who are wealthy. And it's like, at the end of the day, I'm never going to be rich. Not like Elon Musk. Right? I'll be living comfortable. And at the end of the day, all I want to be is comfortable. I mm. want to be able to pay $1,600 for an AC, <laughs> to fix my AC, yeah. and not be like, I'm going to not, di- I'm going to die mm-hmm. if, I, you know, if I have yeah. another big expense. So if your father or your mother decided that they did disagree with you and that it was also their mission to adamantly fight for the thing that you disagree with, but they think will help you which is convincing you that socialism and communism are the same thing. Or, yeah. You know what I'm saying? See yeah. what I'm trying to say here? No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I know. It's not I agree. I understand. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's just my family gets me. <laughs> my family my family loved me if that if they if they if they got up on their on their pedestal and they started saying, Sam, you're wrong, I'm gonna be like, I I still love you though. And I know that at the same time they'll be like, Hey Sam, you still got a home in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Right? My parents will never disavow me even though we've had many arguments about or just our political views i know at the end of the day i can call my parents every night and be like hey how's it going what's going on you're wrong about trump uh but i love you but it's 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 who's to say i'm right who's to say i'm wrong you know except for me and myself and at the end of the day I, I am my biggest, I'm going to be the biggest provider of my own life and for the family that comes after me and the family that came before me, okay? So I'm going to fight for those things that I don't have right now and that I do have right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, as a person, that's all, that's all I can think about is that's where I came from with my family, is that I'm going to protect my family, okay? And I'm going to make sure that everyone else benefits. So... Mm. What so strong do, stuff. Very he- strong. Heavy hand. Really good. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I know needs to change, you feel needs to change, but what does bring you hope and keeps you optimistic? At the end of the day, it's the people. It's the Commonwealth. It's these people, even if there are differing ideas and people are arguing left, right, green, you know, people at the end of the day are the reason why I can still believe that there's still a place for social change. I think younger generations give me hope into thinking, wow, these, this next generation is going to do what I can't. And the generation after them are only going to improve things. Right? Because uh, it's, I'm not saying that your generations are becoming more liberal, but they got an idea of like, hey, the, the sins of our fathers are clearly not helping us out right now. We need to fundamentally change what's going on. That is what gives me hope in the world is that I know at the end of the day, social change will always be present and that social change will never die out. That's why in in, in Russia and Ukraine, that's why Ukrainians can fight back. That's why, you know, you have people that line up at health at hospitals to have their seat, their kids seen, you know, when they can't get a private doctor. That's why I can wait hours in a DMV to Mm -hmm. get a fucking car plate Mm -hmm. because I know one day it's just going to be better. Okay. Mm But that is with social change. That is what gives me hope is that I have faith in my sisters and my brothers who come before me, who come after me, okay, that everything will go out to the better and they will realize this is where we are wrong. This is where our fathers are. That's not who we're going to be, okay? Hmm. That's what gives me hope. That's what get, And the fact that I can exist in that world, that I can take, I can be listened to several years from now from a private investigator and hopefully I get a job and, <laughs> and or I do what I want to do with non-governmental organizations and I help with environmental aid or humanitarian aid. 
I know that I'm going to try my best to do these things because I am part of a generation that cares to yeah. change these things that are so fundamentally broken in our society. Yes. Okay. That is what gives me hope. So because you care so adamantly about the change that needs to happen and because, as you said, just in general, there is a lot of care in mm-hmm. our generation and there can also be a lot of dystopian ideologies that can very easily be spread about, whether it be through media, you know, our perspectives, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that uh, second section of that question, as you probably know, you are a listener, but like what brings you hope in the world? But what is something that you do in your daily life that brings hope in the world? Whether it be, it could be so small. It doesn't have to be one thing either. See, that's my actual, my biggest problem, and I knew you were going to ask this, is that at this point in time, I don't think I'm doing, well, the only way I think I'm doing change is by, like, Morgan & Morgan, you know? I, I am one of the few Spanish speakers in that firm, okay? I, there's a lot, we do get a lot of Spanish-speaking clients, so sometimes it is hard to deal with these Spanish-speaking clients, but that's because they're put into a world where they're put into a new environment where they can't defend themselves, and they're constantly being beaten down. Mm. And I know that if I can, if I get a call from a Spanish-speaking client, and maybe the fiftieth one in a single day, I'm still they're still asking the same damn question I've been answering. I know that I am the only refuge for them, okay, to see to get help, okay. And right now, I don't think I'm doing as much as I can do, other than that. But I know that in this job field that I want to go into, I know that once I get there, I can do so much more with the time and resources I have available to me. Mm. So I'm just biding my time. Being on a podcast, <laughs> getting planting my seeds and for the new generation to hear this, you know. That was so power. That's so powerful, though. I mean, that is extremely hopeful. The way that you just, just like you said, it could be fifty people who English is not their first language who have been asking the same question all damn day, but yet you're still helping them, and you're one of the few people who can be a refuge to them. And that's so because I mean, like. That's rare. And, you know, who knows how many people or firms they approached before they went to Morgan & Morgan and they were able to find your voice. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome, man. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, yeah. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah, for real, man. And I know that I was offering a lot of counterpoints to what you were saying. It's a conversation. No, I don't yeah, have and any I, and, I, and I just, I mean, I want you to be aware and everybody else listening to be aware. It's not necessary. Some of it is what I believe, but a lot of it is more to just try and make sense of everything that's going on. And at the end of the day, I respect and also 100% agree with what you're saying. And I, th- I think that our generation, the three of us are in the same generation here, obviously. It's like, yeah, we're, it's our goal and our, even when I disagree with someone, I'm not trying to do it to be better than them. I'm, I want everyone to have a fair share. That's where my philosophies come from. And, mm-hmm. um, thank you for coming on. No, I really, I'm glad you guys had me on. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you found some hope today. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We hope today's episode made you feel a little more hopeful or changed your perspective in some way. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Only Constant Podcast or check us out at OnlyConstantPodcast.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating or review for the show helps us immensely, and we'd appreciate the feedback. None of this would be possible without you, the listener. Thanks for all your support, and we'll see you next time. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening.